What's up and welcome into the Friday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside Jim Eichenhofer, esteemed writer for Pelicans.com. Happy game day. Happy home game day, more importantly, as the Pelicans get set today to take on the Dallas Mavericks in the home opener. It'll be... Hopefully, you all will be there, but it'll also be on Fox Sports New Orleans, ESPN, and you can listen on 100.3 New Orleans. Jim, it feels like we've been on the road most of this preseason slash regular season. Finally, the second home game of the year, but more importantly, the first regular season home game. Nice to be back home. It is, and I think if you take a look outside right now, I would say this is a good day for basketball. Yeah, beautiful uh, day for not basketball. A, not, a reason to, not really much of a reason to be outdoors. It's rainy, dreary. Kind of reminds me of the Northeast a little bit, the way it was up there for the last bunch of days. Um, but, yeah, excited to get going. I'm really looking forward to seeing what the environment's going to be like, the atmosphere is going to be like in the arena. I know people have had this game circled on their calendar for a few, a couple months now since the uh, schedule came out in August. Absolutely. And uh, we talk about it seems like so long ago that we played that opening night game. It's only been a few days, Jim, but the fact that it was the first game of the regular season and now it's Friday. The Pelicans have had a couple days here to make some adjustments uh, in lieu of tonight's game. Yeah, and I think it's a it's kind of a unique situation that you don't have in basketball very much where you play one game. Obviously, it was a disappointing ending. I think overall there were a lot of positives to take from that game, but it was frustrating to not be able to win a game that I think you could have won and some people would have the opinion that you should have won based on the lead that was in place going into the last few minutes of the game. So it's kind of remind me, reminds me a little bit of football where you have all this time to stew over whatever happened in the week before. Obviously, if that had been a win, it would have been a totally different feeling these last two or three days. But I, I would think under the circumstances that the players are going to be really ready to go when the game tips off tonight just because they've had so much time to think about what could have gone differently, what they could have done differently, in the especially in, in crunch time against the Raptors. I know it's only game number two, but I think there is a little bit of importance to this game just because divisional games, you never know how that can affect a playoff berth or chances of making the playoffs. And I know probably people are thinking, why are you talking playoffs or playoff races? You've only played one game. But at the mm-hmm. same time, these games early in the season, people forget about, could change. Um, how a team makes the playoffs or even seeding-wise. Yeah, and I know with the way the West is right now, I mean, realistically, I think people are kind of – it's a little bit more of, of an educated guess than just throwing darts against the, the wall. But I think if you look at a lot of the power rankings, for example, um, a lot of people have the Pelicans 8th or ninth, and they have the Mavericks maybe ninth or 10th. So it does seem like these are two teams that could potentially, possibly, maybe end up in the same – area of the standings and maybe two teams that have by the end of the season that every game that they play head to head will be crucial. Uh, Pelicans actually play them, I think two or three times in the first few weeks of the season. So um, we're going to get to see the Mavericks a lot starting tonight. Yeah. And they played on Wednesday night, defeating the Washington Wizards. So they're one and known Jim seems like for them right now, it's a two headed monster of Luka Doncic, who I think put up 34 points in the win against Washington. And then the newbie, Kristaps Porzingis, those two together, it's a scary duo for sure. It really is. And, I mean, I think one of the questions about the Mavericks throughout the course of the season is going to be on a night-to-night basis, who's the third scorer for them? Who's the guy that steps up? I'm sure it's going to be different people as the season progresses. But but those two guys are really tough, and I think it was extremely – encouraging for them I'm sure and Mavericks fans to see the way that Porzingis played because he hadn't played in a regular season game in 
over a year and a half with him having missed that entire last season. So, uh, yeah, they unfortunately for the Pelicans and I think the rest of the Southwest, this is a, a duo, a tandem that is going to be some something to be reckoned with, I think, over the next bunch of years. Doncic, I mean, one game, but he, it's a little scary to think that he – if he makes even more progress compared to what he did last year, he was great, um, you know, as a rookie. So it's going to be – he's going to be a guy that I think that's going to be tough to stop. The Pelicans actually did a decent job, I think, against him for the most part last season. But, I mean, he's probably going to keep getting better and better as he gets more experience in the NBA. I expect Drew Holiday on Luka Doncic tonight, so that should be a really fun matchup. And then Ingram on Chris Stats Porzingis as Ingram's been sliding over to the four. When you talk about the Mavericks and you say – you really don't know who their third best scorer is or who their third go-to guy is. In a sense, for the Pelicans, with how deep they are, did we really find that with them on Tuesday night just because I think there was a lot more balance? So I think there's a little bit of a difference between the two, between Dallas. You are very top-heavy with Chris Stapps and, and Luka, but with the Pelicans, there's so much balance that do you even know at this point who might be the second, third scorer, especially in Zion's absence? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're right. I think that it's going to be a range of different players. I think that's another reason why it's going to be difficult to narrow down the rotation just because you have so many different options and not even, you know, we're focusing a lot and Elvin Gentry's talked a lot about this because he's been asked about it on the getting it from 12 players down to nine or 10, but even within, after you get it down to 10 guys, say within the next couple of weeks, even after that, you still have to determine, okay, how much does a starting point guard play? how much more than the backup point guard and pretty much across the board at a lot of the positions, you, you're going to have that question of, you know, how do you divvy up those minutes? So it's, it's another part of what's going to be really interesting. I think about these next uh, few games in these next couple of weeks. Uh, speaking of the last couple of days, there's been a lot of basketball being played uh, Wednesday night. I think there was 11 games around the association. There was a, I think three last night. I was mm-hmm. able to watch a lot of that Rockets bucks game, which, uh, did not see that coming with a 16-point comeback for the Milwaukee Bucks. It wasn't hating it, but uh, it was a <laughs> big win for Milwaukee. You were able to watch a lot of Wednesday night's yep. action. Um, what has stuck out to you in the first few days of the NBA regular season? I mean, there's so many different things, but I think um, one of the biggest ones I think that's obvious is the Clippers look so good. I mean, for a team that added you know, their best player or they picked up in, in free agency, they traded for Paul George, who isn't even playing yet. Their second best player is sidelined. They beat the Lakers and they just absolutely obliterated Golden State last night. The Warriors have a have a ton of different question marks as far as their rotation and throwing in a bunch of guys that I think when people watch the Warriors, if they watch the game last night, they're like, who are these guys? Because you, you're not used to seeing the Warriors trot out four or five players in the rotation that you ha- are totally unfamiliar right. with. So um, another thing that stood out from last night, I mean, I could go on forever about the last couple of days, but... Um, Trey Young, amazing start last night with, I think he had 38 Some points. Some of against, shots, like a 32-footer and a 34-footer. Yep. He shot one from the logo, yep. like literally standing on the Pistons, um, the edge of that logo near center court. So um, he was he was really impressive in the game um, last night. And uh, But it's it's been uh, – there's been a couple surprises. I think Phoenix destroying Sacramento was really surprising. Yep. I watched a lot of that game. DeAndre Ayton looked great. Unfortunately for the Suns, he's suspended That's for 25 games for them for sure. Now and um, uh, so it, it's been it's been really fun though. I think I didn't get to watch a ton of that Lakers Clippers game because I was still writing after the Pelicans game went to overtime and was such an interesting ending. 
But uh, I caught the last few minutes of that game. Other than that, though, I mean, I've it's been fun watching, trying to get a feel. The first week of the season is always great for me because you're it's like you're, you're just getting their, your first look at some of these rosters that have changed so much. Absolutely. Our guest for today is Ariel Helwani, who is an MMA reporter for ESPN. And you're probably thinking, Daniel, you know this is a Pelicans podcast, right? But there is a link, I promise you. Actually, Ariel is going to be the sideline reporter for ESPN tonight, as it is a national broadcast as well. So we wanted to bring in him. He was at practice yesterday, so we caught him in studio to talk about kind of his transition into a role of NBA reporter. Also, um, we talk a little bit about what Zion might be if he was a UFC fighter. Also, Alvin Gentry, a big UFC fan. Are you a a UFC fan, Jim? I am not. I have to admit that I've never really gotten into that. My brother is a huge UFC fan and boxing fan. He started out as a huge boxing fan, got more into UFC, but I'll be honest, I've never really gotten into it. I I respect the heck out of what they do, though, but I've just never been one to, to bend over backwards, I guess, to watch. If me and you got into an octagon, who do you think would win? <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, I think we've, we've had this discussion in a different way before, and I think you have a massive advantage in me on in reach. Okay. But I, I definitely think I'm, I might have – I don't want dis, to be disrespectful here, but I might, I might be a little bit more tenacious than you. I, think, I feel like you're scrappy. I feel <laughs> like you'd be scrappy in, in a fight like Ex- that. Exactly, yeah. I, you I, wouldn't bow down. I would show sure. – I would just like with my athletic career – especially playing basketball, I was one of those people that had a lot of heart. So, and you can take that for what it's worth. I don't know if that wins you UFC matches, but sure. Um, what kind of UFC fighter would you be? Would you be more of a karate guy or more of a, a sprawling wow. kind of? We asked we asked Ariel about huh. what Zion would be like as a fighter, what kind of approach he would take. But I didn't know, you know, I don't know if you have any black belts in your family or you're a black belt and you're just not telling us. No. Or Man, you secretly go to karate gyms on your off days. I man, that's something I've never thought about. I think I would be somebody who would try to get in like a sneaky punch or a karate chop and then just run. I think that would be the, the the approach that I would take. I know that the space is limited, but I would try to use my quickness to to get away as as much as I could. I feel like you would use a, an illegal attempt at like an eye, eye gouge, like a Three <laughs> Stooges move, like oh wise guy, and then get you right in the right between the eyes. I feel like I don't know. I feel you might do a cheap shot, a low blow, and then just walk out of the ring. <laughs> Is that, is I'm that not sure fair? what that says about what you think about my character, but <laughs> hey, that's that's fine. That's a whole other show. All right, I told you at the beginning of the show that we were going to have a very special guest today, and you're probably thinking that, am I tuning into the right podcast? Because this is a basketball podcast. This does focus on the Pelicans, but we do have Ariel Hawani on from ESPN who covers MMA and also will be the sideline reporter uh, for the NBA on ESPN tomorrow night, or tonight, I should say, when the Pelicans take on the Dallas Mavericks. I really appreciate you coming in studio, man. It's been nice to been following you on the MMA side and now having you on the basketball side. It's pretty exciting. Yes, and thank you so much. My first time in the state of Louisiana. Uh, it's so great to be here. I'm very excited. I've been listening to your podcast as I prepare for the game on Friday night, so it's it's great to be on. I appreciate it. So any wrong information that he says tomorrow yes. is on me because he's he listening to our podcast, but 100%. I appreciate it. So, um, do you have any plans for food-wise since this is your first trip to Louisiana? No, I got nothing. Uh, there's actually a very famous uh, UFC fighter named Daniel Cormier, who's yes. a proud native of Louisiana. So he told me that he would send me some suggestions. Okay. He has yet to do so, wow. but I'm very focused on uh, the task at hand, so I don't even know if I will eat. I, I, at some point I will, but uh, this is literally a dream come true for me. I grew up a huge basketball fan, huge NBA fan when I came to ESPN in 2018. 
I was very open about one of the things I wanted to try to do was not leave MMA, but, you know, try to show people that I can do yep. NBA reporting as well. And so the fact that they've given me this opportunity, I did some summer league games. Yep, I saw you there. Um, in July, and now uh, getting the opportunity to do this regular season game with Mike Breen and Jeff Van Gundy, two legends. It doesn't feel real. Like, I can't even believe, I feel like I want some sort of, competition like some right. sort of contest like you could be a broadcaster for a day and here i am so i'm very uh, i'm very honored and excited to be here so daniel cormier actually is a friend of the program he's been on this podcast before he signed the door that you'll be able oh, to nice. sign afterwards so yeah i mean he's great and hopefully he sends you we're, we're calling you out daniel yes Give i need some, some suggestions That's if not right. andrew lopez our buddy from espn can help you out as well um so kind of your journey here to espn i i saw you at summer leagues i know you did some nba stuff um, but growing up, you said you were a Knicks fan. Um, was it during those days as far as, you know, the 90s Knicks that, you know, made some runs? Um, just kind of who would you look up to as a kid watching basketball? Was there any, besides the Knicks, anything in particular that maybe stuck out to you is how you became such a big basketball yeah. fan? So I grew up in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, okay. and uh, this is pre-Raptors. So the sport of basketball wasn't all that popular, but my brothers and I were big basketball fans. Hockey, not so much, believe it or not. Which we were is actually, surprising. Yeah, very surprising. So they were big Michael Jordan fans. I wasn't. Um, and in 1990, we went to a shoe store and they told me, oh, you should get this pair of shoes right over here. And I listened to them and it was Patrick Ewing's shoes. And so then I started to watch him mm -hmm. and I just fell in love with the early 90s Knicks. You know, even before they made it to the finals in 94, like the Xavier McDaniel Knicks in, in 1992. And when they took the Bulls to seven games in the second round of the playoffs and no one expected them to give Jordan and the Bulls any kind of competition, um, I fell in love with their grittiness and how they were the underdogs and all that stuff. And so like I was all in, I was obsessed with the Knicks in the 90s. Ewing, Starks, Oakley, Derek Harper, um, McDaniel for a very short amount of time, Hubert Davis, like I love those guys. Mm -hmm. Greg Anthony, um, unfortunately in 94, they lost yep. in the finals in game seven. They they had a nice little run in 99 as well. But that was my team and um, that's the team I grew up watching. But I love the, the sport. Like, uh, you know, once I decided that I wanted to become a broadcaster, looking up to the likes of Marv Albert and Bob Costas and Mike Breen and, you know, all the guys who, who, you know, um, who, who do Knicks basketball, Walt Frazier and those guys, like, I, I just loved listening to them, how they talk, their demeanor and things like that. I just, I just love the game. To me, it's, it's, it was always basketball is my number one sport as far as the team sports mm -hmm. are concerned. And then, uh, all the others were, you know, a distant second, third and fourth. I went to Syracuse University to become a, a you know, to, to try to be That's a broadcaster. That's where everyone goes for yeah, broadcasting. That's where everyone goes. And it's interesting that you say that because when I got there in 2001, it was the first time in my, my life that I realized a lot of other people had the same dream. Oh, yeah. They all want to be basketball, baseball, football guys. And so much like the 90s Knicks, I uh, like to go down, you know, the, the underdog route. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember telling my parents in 2001 that there's this sport called mixed martial arts that at the time was only eight years old. I feel like in 10 years, it's going to be mainstream. It's going to be a lot more popular than it is now. And I want to be the guy. I want to be the Howard Cosell of MMA. I want to be the Max Kellerman of, of MMA. And so I kind of put aside the dream of the traditional sports basketball, and I really focused all my energy and attention on, on MMA. I had a, a, a show in college and just kind of worked my way up. And so that's how I went down the, the mixed martial arts yeah. route. And now kind of trying to go down this route as well. I was about to say how you got into it, but that's a good description of how you kind of got started with MMA. Would you also consider yourself maybe the Adrian Wojnarowski of MMA? Because you break a lot of news. I was even, you know, following you on Twitter, like even today as we practice was approaching, you're tweeting stuff about, 
you know, news with fights and stuff like that. Is that something you take pride in as far as being that guy that everyone can go to to break some news like that? Absolutely. I, I would never compare myself to right. uh, Adrian. I think he is a living legend as well and uh, just unbelievably good at his job. He's prolific. I mean, to see the way he dominates that beat is unbelievable. Um, but, yes, I, I do pride myself on being a jack-of-all-trades, mm-hmm. so to speak. Uh, I can host shows. I can interview. I love interviewing. That's my favorite thing to do. But also write, break news, um, produce things of that nature. So yes, I, I, I like that. And, and MMA is a very fun sport to cover for multiple reasons. Number one, there's no off season. Yeah. So it's it's literally 52 you know weeks out of the year. If there's not a UFC event, there's some other organization. And the fighters are very accessible. They're very authentic. They're very open. Um, they're not quite like NBA players, right. you know, like they they want to open up, they want to tell their story, they want to get emotional with you. So it's a lot of fun. And, uh, luckily I've been able to build a lot of relationships. And so you're able to, you know, break news when you have those relationships. Is there any similarities with covering MMA? I know you're, you know, breaking into the NBA side with doing a little summer league, but in your prep and even just kind of your interactions with whether it's media members, players, front office staff, coaches, are there any similarities with covering both, or is it just two completely? I know one's fighting, one's yeah. basketball, but have you found any common ground with both two sports or not? Honestly, really? it's very different. Yeah. It is very different. You know, because in, in the world of UFC, for example, there's 43 events this year, and, you know, there's there's an event on Saturday in Singapore, and then next week there's an event in New York City, and then the following week there's an event in Moscow, and every single card has a different set of characters, fighters, players, you know what I mean? Here, you guys are going 82 games and, you know, there's kind of a story arc, right? You're following these guys and and, and there's only 15 of them. Um, So it's different. Uh, Media relations is different. Er Everything really is different. I mean, when you get down to it, you're you're still covering a sport and and that's similar. But just the the way the whole thing is structured, like fight week, if I'm going to cover a fight on a Saturday in any random city, I'm usually getting there Wednesday and then you'll have like a media day or an open workout Wednesday and then you'll have a press conference or another media day Thursday and then the weigh-ins are completely different than anything that you'd see here in in the world of basketball and the fights are, it's just totally different. Um, But I like it. I I, I like, you know, you guys get great access here. Um, In the world of MMA, it's just, you're, you're, you'll see a guy and then you won't see him again for like three, four months as opposed to every day like you guys here. Yes, you got to talk to them while you can basically. Yeah, yeah. I noticed you were talking to Alvin Gentry a little bit after practice, and when I turned to look at you, I saw Alvin doing some air kicks and some air punches as yeah. well. Um, just by talking to him, I feel like, and this is something I didn't even know, I feel like Alvin's a big UFC fan, isn't Huge. He? Yes, very knowledgeable. I had no idea. Yeah. First of all, he came up to me. Um, I was in the uh, 30 for 30 that just aired on uh, Chuck Liddell and Tito mm-hmm. Ortiz, and so he said, I saw you on the 30 for 30, yeah. and he started talking to me about fights that he's been to and fighters that he likes to watch, and apparently... When the team was in Las Vegas for Summer League, uh, the UFC is is headquartered yep. in, in Las Vegas, and they went to the Performance they Institute did. that mm-hmm. they just opened up. So he was telling me about that experience and some fighters that he met over there. And so it was, it, I was blown away. First of all, he's a very busy guy. Right. He's a legend of the game as well. And the fact that he was just sitting there talking to me about the fights and all that stuff actually made me very – like it, it kind of calmed my nerves. You know, you're – I'm here. I'm the new guy. I see all the media guys know each other. Um, I have those relationships in my other world, but now right. I feel like I'm a rookie all over again. So it was really nice for him to take the time and talk to me. And I was very impressed with his knowledge. Like he, some of his favorite fighters, like he was telling me his favorite fighter is Chris Cyborg. Like you have to be a really knowledgeable fan to say that Chris Cyborg, you know, most people will say, you know, the big guys, Conor McGregor, etc. Yeah. His favorite was Chris Cyborg. I was like, man, you're, you're, you're a hardcore fan. Stuff. Yeah. And he was up on all the news and everything. It was impressive. That's awesome. And there's one guy that can make you comfortable as a, 
for head coach, it's Alvin Gentry. He's just unbelievable, and he'll talk your ear off all day probably. So it might not be the last time that he <laughs> talks UFC with you. Um, speaking of USC, we have a guy named Zion Williamson here who's just a freak of nature. Unfortunately, yes. he won't be playing tomorrow, but 285 pounds, um, pure muscle. Um, if you had to put him in a weight class as a UFC fighter or an MMA fighter, where would he be? Well, honestly, he he wouldn't be in any weight class yeah. because the heavyweight limit is two sixty five. Okay, so he would have to. He had to drop twenty pounds. He would have to drop twenty pounds, which is amazing because like when you see him next to the other athletes on the court, obviously he's a big guy. Yeah. But then when you hear two eighty five, that's shocking. I think I read that he's the third heaviest player in the NBA, and the other guys are in their you know in in mm-hmm. the seven feet category so it's, it's just amazing you know considering how strong he is but yes he would have to drop 20 pounds and uh I, I like you know i know his weight has been discussed i don't know if he has 20 pounds to drop no. you know what i mean like the guy as you said is just uh, solid so um i would lo- i mean he is to think of a guy with that body type and with that power and that athleticism fighting, you know, there was some footage that came out recently of uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook at the PI in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. the UFC PI, hitting the uh, heavy bag. And basketball players usually are a little bit awkward when they try to, like, you know, box right. or things like that. They're just so tall and lanky. I feel like Zion would be good if he, obviously, if he, if he learned a little bit, just because he's a little bit stocky, he's low to the ground, and he's just so strong. That would be incredible. But yeah, he would have to drop 20 pounds. I'm not as knowledgeable as far as the type of fighting that some, you know, everyone has a different style. Would he be a ground and pound kind of fighter? Or how, he would how would you describe him? He would striker? be a striker. Okay. Although I also think because he, he's kind of, you know, like I said, he's stocky. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's obviously very tall as well. I feel like he would be the kind of guy who would have a good sprawl. So what I mean by sprawl is if I try to take you down, mm-hmm. you would sprawl. Like if you're standing, I'm, I'm putting myself, you know, up straight and then yep. you kind of go down like that. So it's hard to take you down because yep. right? he's so strong. Right. Um, but I don't, I wouldn't consider him like a jujitsu guy or like a wrestling a, yeah. guy. I think he's pure power. He's someone that's going to knock you out. Kind of like Francis Ngannou. There's a guy named Francis Ngannou in the heavyweight division who actually did a funny video when Zion was about to get drafted because they actually look alike. And so it was him playing basketball wearing a Zion jersey. And I think they met each other at Summer League. Francis Ngannou, if you know him, is one of the hardest hitting heavyweights in the history of the sport. Zion would be his style as well. That's awesome. Um, if you, you were talking about James Harden and Russell Westbrook as far as them um, being on the boxing bags and stuff like that, if you, knowing you are very knowledgeable about NBA players currently, who would make a good UFC fighter who would make a solid MMA fighter and just based on appearance or just based on their athleticism that might be a tough question to ask but who could make for a pretty good fighter if they decide hey maybe I want to try this for a living yeah it's a tough question it is tough because a lot of these guys are very tall and historically the tall guys aren't good fighters this is a cop-out answer but I think LeBron would be good because of how quick and, and big he is James Johnson actually uh his dad is like a seven degree black belt or something mm-hmm, like yep. he actually grew up doing martial arts so he's the one that i always that i always mention when uh when when we talk about you know basketball players who would transition over and then some people would say like you know someone like a javel mcgee like just kind of a guy who's a little bit yeah. you know um you know different right so to speak um you know, a guy that you guys used to have on, on the team last year, Julius Randle, I yeah. feel like, you know, is a very big, strong, powerful guy. So he would be interesting as well. But it would probably have to be – and you know who's also a really big fan? Um, Michael Carter-Williams trains. Yeah. Um, 
now with the Orlando Magic. He's a really big fan. I see him at a lot of fights, and uh, I know he does uh, some jujitsu. Um, Darren Williams uh, actually owns a gym okay. in uh, Dallas and uh, is part owner of an MMA team, and I know he does some wrestling and jujitsu as well. So I feel like maybe the point guards, because they're a little lower to the ground, would uh, would fare yeah. better. Out of the four major sports, professional sports, when I include baseball, hockey, basketball, and football, which is there any of them that could one a certain type of player could translate mm. into MMA? Whether it's because, like you said, too tall in the NBA. I know yep. in the NFL, you know, a lot of these linemen way too big. Yeah, can't even considered being in there. But is there any sport that maybe or a certain position that you're like, wow, you know, if they didn't play, you know, if they learned how to train like an MMA fighter, they could actually maybe do this for a living. I would say football. Okay. Um, and in fact, one of the big stories of 2019 has been Greg, Greg Hardy, Hardy yep. transitioning. And actually, he's in the news this week because uh, he just he fought last Friday and uh, on Tuesday accepted a fight on 18 days notice to go to Moscow and fight in the main event against a guy who's a contender. So the knock on Greg this year has been that they're coddling him, mm -hmm. that they're feeding him tomato cans, knowing that really is all that yeah. good. Um, well, someone pulled out of a main event in Moscow on November 9th and he accepted this fight, but it's like a massive step up. I'm, 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 I'm a little bit shocked that he accepted the fight. I kind of, I think it's like a, you know, uh, no harm, no foul situation for him in the sense that like no one's expecting him to win. So if he, you know, if he loses, no big deal. If he wins, he shocks the world. His transition has been interesting. Um, he has been met with, you know, some, some resistance. People don't want him yep. in the sport, but also he, he doesn't quite know the rules just yet. So he's like, a freakish athlete but it's clear that he's a little bit raw but we've had multiple former nfl players come over to the world of mixed martial arts uh, a guy by the name of matt mitrion played for the giants for many years and there's been a few over you know over the past decade or so so i would probably say if i had to pick one of the four major sports it would be nfl okay. uh before i let you go let's talk a little bit about this basketball game that you are here for tomorrow or for tonight it's the dallas mavericks and the pelicans you said you've been listening to our podcast and you've been, you know, reading a lot of stuff about our team and also the Mavericks. So in your reading and listening, what have you learned about this Pelicans team and also probably based on watching on Tuesday night? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, no Zion um, is is actually really interesting to me because when you have a team that is relatively young, I know there's some veterans as well. Um you know, I was wondering if there'd be, and you'd probably know better than, mm -hmm. than I, if there'd be like sort of a mourning period. Like I was listening to, and I think I, I heard you and Antonio Daniels talk about this, how it's like people are talking about Zion, like in, in this tragic sense, like the right. guy died, like yep. he's coming back, hopefully. That's and, say. He's not dead. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it felt like there was like a bit of a, a black cloud yeah. hanging over the team. And so I thought they responded pretty well on, on Tuesday, you know, tough scene, ring ceremony, all that stuff. But, you know, to go into overtime, um, I thought, and I thought they showed a lot of character. I, I really like this team and I think it's a really deep team. I mean, I don't need to tell you, but like the, the trade was phenomenal. What mm -hmm. David Griffin did with that trade was just amazing. Everyone that he got in the trade, I thought was great. I think the signing of JJ Redick was phenomenal. I think the draft that he had was obviously Zion was great, but yeah. Hayes and Alexander Walker, who is a fellow yep. Canadian. Yes, he is. Um, so I thought, and he's, what I like about him, and I've I've heard Coach Gentry talk about him, is just his confidence and how he seems to be a little, you know, wiser behind behind his years. So um, that impresses me. Um, I, I like that, you know, there's there's a nice, like I said, there's a nice mix of older guys and, and younger guys. And Derek Favors, I think, is a great pickup. I was a big jazz fan watching them the last couple of years. So I really like the team a lot. And I, I feel like, of course, with Zion, I think they're a playoff team. Even this squad, maybe a little young, but like this squad, let's say Zion doesn't play this year, which obviously we hope doesn't happen. Yep. I think this squad could 
this particular squad that's playing on Friday could contend for like an eight seed yeah, right absolutely. i think they're gritty i think they're they're deep they're 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 a smart team and i only think they're going to get better like brandon ingram you know missed the the end of last year he's still trying to get his his feet wet i think lonzo ball is still maturing has yeah. a long ways to go as well so i really like the team and i think reddick being you know in the locker room is going to be great for the squad as well yeah he's already paid dividends for what he's been able to do off the court as well as on the court um when you're preparing your storylines you're preparing for your reports tomorrow um i know the zion news is Probably the biggest one that you'll be covering, which we understand that from a how many people were so excited to see him, including our home fan base, you know, for a home opener. But what are some other storylines that you're going to look for for tomorrow's game between the Mavericks and Pelicans? I was really impressed with Nicolo on uh, on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a rookie, but he's not really a rookie. Right. It's kind of – he reminds me a little bit of uh, – he, he's younger, but he reminds me of Pablo Prigioni when he was uh, signed by the Knicks, like a guy who came in as a rookie but was in his 30s mm-hmm. and was obviously um, a veteran who has seen and done it all. I thought he was really impressive on uh, Tuesday. <clears throat> Alexander Walker is another guy um, who, you know, I thought had a, you know, first game in Toronto. A lot of pressure. Yeah. You know, Coach Gentry was talking about, you know, 60 family members there, and yeah. I, I know there was a ton of media following him. I was impressed with Brandon Ingram. I thought he looked pretty good, you know, in, in his first regular season game in, in quite some time. Um, so those things, and, you know, Josh Hart, uh, Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, I didn't mention him, of course. Uh, I don't think he had the best game. Right. So want to see if he's able to, to bounce back. I mean, this is a big deal for the franchise. It felt, at least to me, like, and you could speak on this better than I, but um, it felt like they were sort of like, in this weird lame duck sort of status and everything changed with that one you know ping pong ball and and even he even though he's not there everyone knows he's coming back Zion's coming back it still feels like there's a lot of excitement and this is the beginning of something new and fresh and it felt like just getting rid of Anthony and getting something back and having that leverage to get something back like they did uh is still reason to uh you know to be excited and and of course uh, Porzingis and Doncic looked amazing yesterday. Uh, I think the Knicks are going to regret this trade until the end of time. <laughs> I think it was a horrendous deal. Um, and so I like that team as yep. well. So this is a great game. I'm really excited. So what other assignments do you have besides this one? Are there any other ones? Or are you kind of slowly transitioning into the NBA world a little bit? Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually doing one other game, uh, unless they hate me on uh, <laughs> Friday and say, don't come back. Uh, I got a Christmas Day game, oh, wow. which is pretty uh, incredible. Celtics-Raptors, so the first game of that five-game slate. Okay. Uh, and as a fellow Canadian, that is a pretty huge deal for me. Yeah. So pretty cool to be there for the uh, defending champs. Um, so as of right now, just the two games. Um, they also have a great show on ESPN um, and all the, the digital platforms called Hoop Streams, mm-hmm. hosted by Cassidy Hubbard, who's tremendous. She yep. has been so nice. Like all the side, you know, one thing I was worried about was new guy coming in. The other sideline reporters would be like, ah, who's this guy? MMA, you know, mm-hmm. stay, right. you know, in, in your lane. And, and they couldn't be nicer. Her, uh, George Sedano, Doris doesn't do it anymore, Doris Burke, but she has been so nice. Mike Breen. Mark Jackson, like every single person, just so welcoming. It's really an amazing group of people. So uh, just for now, two games. I'm thankful. I'm very happy. I'm not leaving MMA. I know some of the fans are upset. They're like, come back to MMA. I'm not leaving. I'm able to do this and and come back. My show will be on on Monday, so it won't be any problems. Uh, And then we'll see where it goes from there. Well, let's talk about your show real quick before we get out of here. For those that are MMA fans and basketball fans um, that may not be familiar with your show, how can fans watch your show or listen to your show? I know you have podcasts and shows. Yes. What's the best way to watch all all the stuff that you do? Okay, so every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern on... ESPN YouTube, Twitter, and the app. I have a show called Ariel Hawani's MMA Show. It's three and a half hours long, and we usually interview 
eight to ten fighters um, a show. Um, so, and we have a big one coming up on Monday because uh, the following week is a really big event at Madison Square Garden. That show then gets cut down to an hour and airs uh, midnight Eastern Tuesday nights on ESPN2. Okay. I also do a show with Chael Sonnen, who's a former UFC right. fighter on ESPN Plus called Ariel and the Bad Guy. That airs on Wednesday as well. I do another podcast on Wednesday. So doing a lot of stuff, yeah. uh, writing as well for ESPN.com, but I like it very much. It's a dream job to be working at the uh, the worldwide leader. Well, it's certainly been fun watching you and see you do all your MMA stuff on ESPN. And of course, uh, when I heard that you're doing this game, I was like, we have to talk to this guy. Yeah, before yeah. We get on. I appreciate so, you reaching out. Yeah, really excited Thank to you. have you and uh, good luck tomorrow. I think this will be there'll be more to come for you. I don't think this is going to be the last of you. I appreciate it. I was hoping it. maybe you'd be with us on Christmas. We're in Denver on the last game of the night. Uh, but the fact that you get to go back to Canada, I think, will be pretty special. Um, and again, Ariel Hawani, you can, how can they follow you on Twitter? Uh, at Ariel Hawani, A-R-I-E-L-H-E-L-W-A-N-I, and same thing for Instagram. Perfect. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Well, that was a lot of fun. Big thanks to Ariel Hawani for joining us on today's podcast, presented by SeatGeek. Trying to find tickets to basketball games or any other live event can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing. With SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place, search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple of taps. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase in the SeatGeek app. Use the code GOPELS, all one word, all caps at checkout. SeatGeek, score the best deals on tickets. Before we get out of here, Jim, let's get a quick thought on the Houston Rockets who fell last night to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, what are your thoughts on them as they have a, a new look with a new two-headed monster as well? It's not Chris Paul and James Harden anymore. It's James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Yeah, they have some some new names. I mean, not just the guys at the top of the roster that everyone's going to be talking about, Harden and Westbrook, but um, their bench has a few guys, I think, that um, brand new. Cephalosha, Tyson Chandler, who we know really well here. Ben McLemore played a, a good amount of minutes last night. So I'm interested to see kind of the new look that they have. One thing you always have to remember and expect, I guess, with the Rockets every time you play them is that the three-point shot is going to be a huge part of the game. New Orleans won twice, both games in Houston last season, which was great. The regular season opener and then a game in late January, the day after Anthony Davis requested a trade. So it was it was very positive, the trips to Houston last season, and hopefully that will continue. I think that really the teams that generally win in Houston, they're – They've always been a pretty good road team. I mean, they've been a good team overall since Mike D'Antoni's been there. The teams that have won there have been teams that have have made them shoot poorly from the three-point line, or they just were fortunate that night that the Rockets weren't making them. I mean, last night against Milwaukee, Harden was one for eight from three-point range. Gordon was three for 12. Westbrook actually had a pretty good game, three for seven but they were 16 for 48, which is 33%. I mean, I think the Pelicans would take that. They, mm-hmm. They're they probably going to shoot somewhere around 53s every game. That's, I think, maybe not something that they've stated, but it pretty much is one of their goals. So that'll be a big thing to watch for. And, I mean, the Pelicans are not – it's not like the Pelicans aren't taking a lot of threes. They're taking a ton too. So that'll just be one, uh, one element, and hopefully the Pelicans can keep Harden and Westbrook down to um, – they were nine for thirty-two combined overall from the field last night. So uh, it'll be uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens uh, playing less than twenty-four hours after they played uh, the Mavericks the night before. Yeah, it's going to take some time for the Houston Rockets. I think last year they started thirteen and twenty-one and ended up getting home. Was it that bad? Pretty, yeah, it was wow. that bad. They dug thirteen and twenty-one. Yeah, it was, huh. they dug themselves in the deep hole, and so I know it's going to be a little different. 
you know, with Westbrook and Harden. You saw a couple times last night that they were, it wasn't arguing, it was just them kind of trying to figure out some things, but I think it's going to take some time, and like you said, the Pelicans had some success there um, last year on the road, so maybe that'll be the same for Saturday, but you have to get through to tonight, and that is the Dallas Mavericks. Everyone in attendance will receive a Won't Bow Down shirt. Hope you can join us at the Smoothie King Center. 7 o'clock tip. You can watch it on Fox Sports New Orleans or ESPN nationally, or you can listen on ESPN 100.3 New Orleans. Todd Graffinini and John the Shazer have the call, and then Jim, of course, will have a recap on Pelicans.com after the game. And then Pelicans travel right after the game to Houston, and we'll take on the Rockets on Saturday as Jim misses a wide-open three at the trash can as we are about to sign off here. Oh. So not a good start to the day for you, Mr. Eichenhofer. <laughs> you I want to make sure everyone know you missed. You didn't have to tell everyone that. It was... I don't want to lie to our fans. It was really close. I but uh yeah, that was not a good not a good start. You gotta to work the day. on your jumper, yeah. that's for sure. Big thanks for all those who listen. Big thanks to Ariel Hawani again for joining us. We'll have another one on Monday. We'll get you ready for Pelicans and Warriors from the Smooth King Center. Until then, for Jim, I'm Daniel. Have a great weekend and go Pels.